Hey, this is Paul Connor, pastor of City Baptist Church here in Vancouver. And I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast and just say thank you so much for joining us today. You know, it's our mission to help you find and follow Jesus. And we pray that the message encourages and inspires you today. Today's message is from our brand new series, Renew. And as we begin this new year together, we're going to be focusing in on Romans chapter 12 and discover the power that is found in renewing our hearts and minds through Jesus and his unchanging word. Let's get into today's message. I hope you'll take your Bibles with me and let's go to Romans chapter number 12 as we continue the series that we're in right now called Renew. And uh, I'm excited about sharing with you today what the Lord has given to me. One of the things that you guys know about me and my family is that we love living here in the Hastings Sunrise neighborhood of Vancouver. I mean, we absolutely love this neighborhood. And one of the reasons that we love it so much is just the diversity and the uniqueness of the architecture of the homes that are in this neighborhood. You know, Jeanette and I like to go out on walks and oftentimes while we're walking through the neighborhood, you will find different houses, uh, old houses that have been restored or ones that need to be restored or modern uh, homes. And there's so much diversity and so much uniqueness to the homes that are in our community. And that's what I love about living in a city is that there's so much uniqueness about it. At the same time, one of the things that you and I know about living in Vancouver is that so often when uh, we move somewhere, so let's say you're moving uh, to a new place, you're renting a new place, or uh, maybe uh, the Lord's blessing, you, you're able to buy a place for the first time. One of the things that is unique about living in a city is that normally if you move somewhere, you typically don't move into a brand new place. I mean, I know very few people uh, that have been able to build a home or to move into a brand new condo. And it doesn't happen very often. And, and I think that's okay. It's to me, my entire life, I've never lived in a new house before. And, uh, and I think that's great because it's a chance for you to take something and maybe restore it and refresh it a little bit. But living in the city, we always live uh, in maybe somebody, somebody else's home or it was somebody else's home before us. And if you know what that's like, and I think most of you probably do, you know the uniqueness of that situation. And, and to me, it's always kind of a little bit odd when you move into a new place for the first time and, uh, and you get there and you realize that, okay, someone else has been living here for a while. <laughs> and, and it's a little bit different. And, and I think you probably notice it more when you move in that even though they have cleaned it, uh, you need to clean it again, you know, and especially if you're moving into a rental situation. Uh, and so what do, we, what do we do when that happens? When we move into a place, what do we want to do? We want to make it our own, don't we? I know Jeanette and I, whenever we move into a rental, one of the big things we ask for is like, can we paint? Uh, and the reason is because we want to make it our own. And so when you move into a rental uh, situation or a new home that you bought for the first time, but somebody else was there, there's always a bit of a remnant of the person who was there before you. You maybe discover that they were a smoker, uh, or you discover that they were just not very clean people, or maybe you find something that they left behind. But when you move into that new place, you start to make it your own. And so you get the carpets cleaned, and you clean out the kitchen, and you make sure it's really clean. And I know for us, like I mentioned, we like to uh, paint the walls. There's always a bit of a funny smell when you move into a new place. You want to make it your own smell, and paint covers up a lot of smells. And so you paint, and you, uh, you cut the grass, and you maybe change the landscaping and you do all sorts of things. You move your stuff in, you decorate differently, you change the blinds. And the reason you do that is because you are taking this home that once was somebody else's and now you are making it your own. And you and it's amazing to me that when you do that, it's so it's so great. Like when we moved into the place we're in right now uh, several years ago, just getting up, uh, getting our own furniture in there, getting your bed set up. And I mean, it finally feels inviting. It feels like home for the first time. And the reason that we do all of those things when we move into a new place is because uh, we are making it 
our own. Now, I'm going somewhere with this story, not just to tell you a nice story. You know, church family, it's like that when it comes to our life with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, before you were saved, the old person was living in this house that we call our body. But now that we are saved, what happened? Something drastic happened. Jesus moved into our lives and he took up resident. And this new resident of our lives, of our body, is pure, he is holy, he is righteous, and he is clean. And even though he's living in an old body, our body, uh, he can still make it look good. He can still paint it. He can still fix what's wrong with it. And he can clean that old house up. You know, we talked about he can hang new curtains. Obviously, I'm speaking figuratively. But the thing is, is that God can come in and he can straighten out and fix up all of those things that are wrong in your life. Not because your body has changed, not because the the house has changed, but because someone new has moved in and Jesus has moved into your life when you came to trust him as your savior. And as Christians now, we should never stop from him from fixing up that old place so that we can continue to live life as it was meant to be lived as a new person in Jesus Christ. Now that for me is a perfect picture of where we are in Romans chapter number 12 as we begin this new year together. Because as the chapter begins, what we see is a clear shift in focus from how we can know who Christ is to what life in Christ uh, looks like in this world. Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, where we started last week, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is the apostle Paul, and he says, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, uh, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, a life that is presented to the Lord without holding anything back will very soon become a transformed life. And the reason is, is because the body of the, uh, of the believer is the vehicle by which new life in Christ is expressed. All that we simply do is that we consecrate. We set it aside as sacred. We say, God, my life is sacred for you. Now I'm designating it. I'm presenting it to you uh, to use. And we say, Holy Spirit that is within us, who has made our body as temple, would you now have full control over our heart and over our mind? And, and when we present our bodies to Christ in that way, what can happen is that there is a change that takes place then. We can be renewed as we surrender our lives to the Lord. Well, as we continue our study today, what we're going to notice in our passage is that renewal continues as we come to Romans chapter 12 and verse number two in, in just a minute. And what we're going to see here today is Paul, is he talks first about sacrifice and motivation and giving ourselves to Christ. But now what he's going to do is he's going to get into some specific areas that will be changed and I would uh, suggest should be changed uh, in the surrendered Christian's life as that process of renewal is developing and building in each of us. So let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse number two. And you probably know this verse, and maybe you can say it along with me uh, at home there. And uh, let's just say it together though. Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, and be not conformed to this world. So this is all based off of, just so you know, verse number one, that we've presented our body to Christ. We said, God, I'm a living sacrifice for you because of your love for me. And then he says here, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The first aspect of a surrendered life that can be transformed 
is by simply a change in pursuit. Point number one this morning, write that down somewhere, or put it in the chat. Say, I need to change what I pursue. We need a change in pursuit. Notice there the verse again, the first part, he says, be not conformed to this world. Paul gets right to the point here. He says, listen, if you are a surrendered Christian, the first thing, one of the first things that will change about you is in what you are pursuing, the things that you are going after. And specifically here, he says, we should not pursue, we should not conform ourselves to this world. Now, I want to define a couple of words here in that first part of the phrase. The first one is the word conform there. Uh, and uh, it, what that word means in its original language is that it, me- it refers to the act of an, of an individual assuming, now get this, assuming an outward expression that does not come from within them. It is something that is not representative of what is truly inside. We would look at it like a masquerade or a mask. This is what he's talking about here. Do not conform the outside, even though it is not really what is inside. The second word that we need to define here, he says, do not conform to this world. Now, we're not just talking about the terra firma, you know, that we're standing on. We're talking about something specific, and it is the condition of humanity. I've got a little bit of a definition here for you that I want you to get. A condition of humanity, which since the fall, of course, in Genesis chapter 3, is in spiritual darkness. It is decaying. It is uh, with, it has a nature, and its tendencies and its influences are controlled by the power of darknesses that are in opposition to God. Whenever Scripture talks about the world and uses that term, it's talking about the system and the mindset and the pursuits of those without Jesus Christ. So it is a negative thing, of course. And so Paul says here, do not be conformed. Do not pretend that you are a part of this world. Now, to me, that is so interesting because if you just look at our world just at face value, especially uh, maybe those of you that have been saved recently, you remember what it was like to look at the systems around us and the things that people pursue. And if you look at it at face value, it seems like our world is lasting doesn't it? It seems like it is permanent. It seems like it can offer the best of enjoyment, of pleasure, of, of happiness, of, of fulfillment. Yet even a basic look at scripture and even just a few months or years lived in the world, trying to pursue the things of the world and all that it offers, it reveals to us the shallowness and uh, the, the, the just vanity of living a life that is conformed to this world. Now, you and I know that the world is going to do everything that it can to pressure us to fit into its mold. I was thinking about Jell-O this week. I don't know why I was thinking about Jell-O, um, but I remember as a kid uh, how amazing it was when my mom would put Jell-O into a mold, you know, and it would take shape and it would look like something else uh, rather than just a, a nine by 12 pan. And I remember she would do that and I thought it was so cool. I was like, man, well, what else can we, what other molds can we put Jell-O in? Maybe some of you seen some amazing Jell-O statues or something. This uh, couple weeks ago, I read, I flipped through a uh, recipe book for Jell-O molds from the 60s. It was very interesting and a very deep study. Um, but that's the idea, is that the world wants us to conform to its mold of what it thinks it should, what thinks you should be. Uh, whether it's the way you do your job or the way you approach life or the things that you pursue, they want you to fit into its mold. They want you to look like they want you uh, to look. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not just talking about, by the way, I'm not just talking about like fashion or uh, how you look on the outward. I'm talking about things, uh, serious things of morality of uh, ethical standards, Uh, things like the origin of the universe, God existing, the sanctity of life, all of these important deep things that as Christians we know the Bible speaks to, but the world tries to get everybody to think and to be in this type of mold that it creates for us. 
You know, increasingly, church, we as a church family will su- uh, suffer and face pressure to conform our faith into the world's structures and into the world's concepts. Sadly, all you have to do is look back maybe even 100 or 50 years in history and see how some of the mainline denominations have changed so drastically just in those few years. And the reason they've changed is they have conformed to the image of the world. They have conformed to what the world says they should do and how they should be. The world, as we understand it in Scripture, and what we experience, if we were to define it very simply, it is, the, it is our world's life and society without God in it. And I kind of emphasize that at the beginning. The world is, is missing God. It is missing His influence. Think about 1 John 2.16 that talks about this, where it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. Do you see that? It is not of God. And it says, The world will pass away. It passes away. That talks about the, uh, the, the just short amount of time that this world will exist and the less thereof. And it says, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Church, I don't think I have to stress it too much for you to understand that the world is the enemy of the Christian. It is not our friend. The world is corrupted. It is under the mask of fun and the mask of uh, popularity. And uh, they say things like, everybody lives this way. You can trust us. This is normal. This is how it should be. But the more that you walk with Christ, Paul is trying to get across to us here. The more you walk with Christ, the more you understand the frailty, the destruction of a life that is lived in the pursuit of this world's wisdom. You know, several years ago, we were able to buy the camp down uh, there in Point Roberts, and, and uh, many of you were a part of that, and what a blessing that was. And I've, of course, gone there my entire life, but just in the last few years, we've noticed uh, some issues with some of the trees down there. And uh, so we got an arborist to come in, and he went around and looked over the camp, and we ended up, I think, believe we've cut down close to 20 trees, and probably another 15 have fallen from the wind or from weather over the last few years, and the reason is because the trees are dying. Now, for me, as someone who doesn't really know what I'm looking for, I walked around, I was like, man, everything looks good. Everything looks strong, and everything looks uh, looks healthy. There's even some uh, things growing up at the top of these, you know, 100-foot uh, tall trees, but then when you were at the arborist, he's like, yeah, that one's dead, and I'm like, what? you talking about? He says, go up to it and hit it. And uh, you hit it and it just sounds hollow. And sure enough, we pulled the bark away of this tree that I thought was totally fine. And it was completely dead on the inside completely dead. And we had to take that tree down because it wasn't safe for us. And that's really how the world is. The world is, uh, looks like it's fine. It looks like everything's okay, but it's dead on the inside. And, and the world is living this mass. They're saying, this is great. This is how everything should be, but it's a mask. Now in the same way, here's what I want you to stay with me in that idea of a mask. In the same way, a Christian who is living their life in pursuit of the world is also wearing a mask. See, the world says everything's great, but they're dead inside. A Christian who's pursuing the world, who is conforming to the world, is also wearing a mask. And what is happening is that they're not being true to who they really are. That's why Paul here says, uh, do not be conformed to this world. You, you, uh, if you're conformed to this world, all you're doing as a Christian is you're wearing a mask and you're hiding who you truly are, which is a follower and a, a person of Jesus Christ. Paul is basically saying to us, listen, you be you. You've probably heard that before, right? You be you. Uh, You be who you're created to be. And that's what he's saying. He says, you be you. Don't be conformed. Don't put up a mask that you're a part of this world system if inside you are a true Christian. Uh, Let the outward reflection of your new life in Christ be what you're known by, not by your pursuit of the things of this world. Listen, 
If we're to be Christians whose bodies are laid on the altar before God that want to be used of Him, then we, uh, we should not be conformed to this world. And the reason is, is because our pursuit, what we are focused on, has changed. See, as Christians, our world is not to be molded from the outside. Our world is to be molded from within. Jesus gave us a real example of this, and he used the example of Solomon. And uh, Jesus, of course, we know Solomon. He was very wise. He was very wealthy king of Israel. But Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 29. He said, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You say, well, what is he talking about? He was pointing at the flowers in the field. Specifically, he pointed to a lily in the field. And he compared to those Jewish believers that were listening to him. He says, even Solomon, and they would have been like, whoa, Solomon. <laughs> whoa, I mean, they knew who Solomon was. And he said, even Solomon was not like this flower. What is he trying to get at? He was trying to say that everything that Solomon projected, everything on the outward, everything that he had, and by the way, Solomon said it himself, all is vanity. Everything that Solomon had was on the outward, whereas a flower, its beauty and its strength and its uniqueness comes from within as it grows. See, Christian, we have an inward power within us that will overcome the world around us. Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's what he's talking about. And so Paul says, listen, you need to change your pursuit. Don't be a Christian who's wearing a mask all the time, uh, conforming to the world on the outside, but you're not being true to who you really are. And it comes down to your pursuits. Because when you present your body to Christ as a living sacrifice, it makes it possible then for God's power to be unleashed through you. And rather than being conformed to this world, as Christians, we should be the ones who are setting the standards for this world. So do not be conformed to this world. There needs to be a change in perspective when we present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Another change that takes place is that there is a change in perception, a change in perception. Let's look back at the verse there. He says, be not conformed to this world. And then he says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I hope that you notice the contrast there. He goes from conformed to transformed. You see that? Don't be conformed, but be transformed. And as we just learned, the outward expression of our life can be faked, but you cannot fake what is truly inside a person. And so we need to let what's in out. We need to be transformed from the inside out. Now, the word transform is the same root word that we get metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis, maybe you remember uh, learning about that in school. And what it means is to undergo a change in form or in character. I think a great example of this is a caterpillar. And I've got a quick video of you for, for you here is a time lapse of, uh, of a caterpillar uh, turning into a monarch butterfly, one of the most amazing, large and beautiful butterflies. It's pretty, pretty unique to watch this here. But what happens during metamorphosis? Well, the caterpillar goes into its cocoon and it comes out as this amazing butterfly. And uh, the thing is that we have to remember, though, is that it's the same creature that goes into the cocoon, right? The same one that goes in is the same one that comes out, but the change is so remarkable that it cannot be recognized as the same thing. It, we don't no longer call it, look at that flying caterpillar, do we? We call it a butterfly. It's been so radically changed that we even change its, its name. And that's what's so uni unique about it, that as Christians, we are to be transformed, that there's so much different about us that we're not even really recognizable necessarily to the world anymore because we have been transformed. This same word so uniquely is used when it talks about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ when his glory was revealed. Do you remember that? And uh, his glory was revealed and it's like they couldn't even tell 
uh, who he, he didn't even look like Jesus anymore. His, everything was changed all about him. This is the change. And this is what I want you to get. This is the change that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives as believers today that we would be radically uh, transformed so much and so uniquely uh, that those coworkers of ours who knew us before Christ uh, would have a hard time recognizing us. I watched a testimony of, of a, a pretty famous person just uh, yesterday uh, who was saved, and, and uh, um, it was, uh, he was an old WWF wrestler, and uh, some of you might recognize him or not. He's pretty famous for a time, but um, when, he got, uh, when he got married later on in life, he got married, he married someone who was a Christian. And, uh, and he talked about how the fact that he watched her change before his eyes, someone that he thought he knew and married within a few years had become a committed follower of Christ. And he said, I watched the change happen right before my eyes. And guess what that did? That pu- uh, pushed him to pursue Christ himself. And he accepted him as his Lord and Savior as well. And that's so amazing to see this change that can take place. But I want you to understand the change that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And I'm going to get a little bit uh, grammatical with you here in a moment. English was my my worst subject, by the way. So I definitely have tools to help me understand this. But this phrase that he's talking about here, there's a couple things you need to know. First of all, Paul is using a present tense in this statement, which gives us the understanding that we are to be continued to be transformed. There's a continuation of it. But then also grammatically, he uses the passive voice, which indicates that Paul is not telling us to transform ourselves. What he is saying is let yourself continue to be transformed. Well, what, what, is, what am I trying to get across? Here's what I'm trying to say. Paul is saying you need to be in this continued state of uh, of transformation and you need to allow that to happen, meaning you're not the one doing the change. See, so often when people become Christians, they think I can't change myself. I can't radically transform myself. And it's right. You can't. You can't overcome that sin that you're going through. You can't can't overcome that, that issue that you've got and that bitterness. You can't overcome that on yourself. You need the power of God and his word to help you make that happen. And so that's what's going on here. True transformation is taking place, but it is done through the work of Christ in you. Now, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time uh, convincing you that your mind is corrupt, that your, uh, uh, that your heart is selfish and self-seeking and focused on your own desires. I don't think I have to tell you that it's possible for us to be blinded by this world and blinded by Satan when it comes uh, to our relationship with God. I think you understand that. But here's the great thing about being a Christian is that when you accept Christ, the mind is renewed in the presence and the image of Christ in the life of of the believer. Because when we get saved, when we go from unsaved to saved, something amazing happens. And it's this, we are spiritually born again. Now, I'm going to share a few thoughts with you here of what happens to us when we are saved. We are spiritually born again. I'm going to read 1 Peter 1, 23, where it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. As well, when you get saved, we are made new. We are made new. Colossians 3.10 says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We are also given the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may uh, instruct him? It says, but we have the mind of Christ as well. We are changed into the image of Christ. Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. His predestination towards us was that we would be conformed, notice the same word, to the image of his son, that we would be changed to the image image of Christ through that spiritual maturity that takes, uh, takes place. And what all this means, okay, get, get this. What all of this means is that when a person receives Jesus Christ into their life, they receive the image and the mindset of Christ. He gives us that. What a blessing that is, that he gives us his heart and he gives us his mind.
mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of it is to change our focus, to change our perception, to change our mindset, to focus upon Jesus Christ. You know, before you got saved, uh, and maybe before you got right with God, you were certainly prone to have your mind centered on the things of this world, weren't you? You, weren't, uh, you were not focused on spiritual matters at all, but once you get right with the Lord, once you get saved, our minds are renewed and changed and turned around, regenerated to focus upon God. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed, and it says day by day. That's talking about that continual process of renewal that needs to take place. And it's critical to remember that it's only Jesus who can do that work, that work of renewal in our hearts. I was talking with somebody this week who was a relatively new Christian, and uh, they were talking about some uh, uh, um, uh, other people uh, that they know. And, and you know, the, the, the question is always brought up, uh, you know, would you pray for this person or whatever? And, 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 and oftentimes I've had said to me, I don't know if, I don't know if they'll ever accept Christ, uh, to which I responded. And I think it's, and partially I was thinking about this message that, listen, if God can change you, he can change anybody. And that's what we have to remember, church family. Uh, Sometimes you look at others and you say, man, there's no change that's going to happen. Listen, God has changed you, hasn't he? The fact that you're logging on and sitting there and waiting through buffering issues and you're you're doing everything you can to sit down and watch uh, somebody like myself just stand here for 35 minutes and open a Bible and share with you the truth. That's a radical transformation to where you were before. I mean, man, you could watch an office episode and a half in the time that it takes for me to preach this message here, but, uh, but yet you're doing that. And that is a testimony to the transforming work of Christ in you. And if God can change you, he can change anybody. And we have to recognize that as a Christian, something happens inside of us that is completely radical and it changes the way that we think, but we need to pursue it. We need to pursue it. You know, Jesus is the one who does the transforming, but there is an element of personal responsibility. I hope you understand that. You know, we can't just put our arms out and say, Jesus, change everything about me. There's an element of personal responsibility that kicks in as well. He changes our heart. He changes our mind to pursue the things of Christ for the very first time. But you know what? That's not always easy, is it? We still have an adversary. We still have things that, uh, temptations and discouragement and, and things that get in our way. And so there's an element of personal responsibility about putting our pursuit of Christ first And looking at this world with a new uh, perception as well. We have to evaluate, church family, uh, a little bit the influences that we're allowing in our life. If we're going to see a true change in perception and thought process, you have to evaluate where you're at. Like we talked about last week, there's got to be some removal before there's renewal. And when it comes to this idea of our mind, uh, I, I, I firmly believe that there's an element of personal responsibility here. There's some things that you maybe need to remove from your life that are not honoring to the Lord. Listen, we need to evaluate our influences, don't we? The people that we allow to speak into our life. We need to evaluate our intake, the things that we uh, are constantly bombarded with, what we fill up on every day. You know, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Too often as Christians, we're filled with other things. And we need to be aware of what we're filling up on. I think it would be a great idea to evaluate what you are filling up your mind and your heart with throughout the week. Maybe start writing things down. Seriously. Maybe start writing down and and evaluate what you're listening to and what you're watching. You say, are you really talking about what I listen to and what I watch? Yeah, I am. Because here's why. Because it influences me too. It influences me too. The shows that I watch, the things that Jeanette and I like to sit down and watch and, and the things that I think about, listen, it influences me. Because it takes a portion of my mind, it takes up thought process, it takes up aspects, and it can fill it with either good or with bad, right? 
the, the music, the lyrics, the pursuit, uh, the things that we're going after. We have to ask ourselves this question, and I, I don't want you to miss out on this today. So if you don't get anything else, please, please, please get this. Listen, ask yourself the question, if what I am watching, if what I'm listening to with the people that are influencing my life, the conversations I allow myself to be in, are they uh, transforming my mind or are they conforming my mind? Ask yourself that. Am I being transformed through what I am pursuing into the image of Christ, or am I simply being conformed to the thought processes of this world? I I love a good show and a good movie as much as anybody else, but listen, some shows are very persistent in, in pushing certain things that are of this world, aren't they not? And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves um, falling into places and pursuing things and allowing things in our life and in our heart and our mind that are not honoring to the Lord and do not reflect his word. And so we've got to be very aware of that and asking ourselves the question, Lord, is this transforming my heart to be closer to you or am I simply being conformed back into the image of this world? And I'll tell you this, if you genuinely ask God that question, genuinely ask God that question, Lord, does this playlist honor you. God, does this uh, show that I'm binge watching right now? Am, am I able? And, and, you say, and you say, don't you trust us? Of course I do. Of course I do. Uh, I don't trust Satan. That's something my dad used to say all the time. He says, I trust you, but I don't trust the devil. And, uh, and he's very subtle in the way that he comes after us. And as Christians, we need these moments of just sort of checking our heart, right? Moments of, of making sure. And, and there's been times in my life where I've said, I've said to Jeanette, you know, I just, we can't watch this show anymore. She said that to me before. Uh, I don't want to watch this show anymore. I just feel like it's, it's just that the influence is a little bit much or, or maybe even a certain artist or, or whatever. I feel like, you know, it's just sort of bringing me down a little bit. It's, it's, it's appealing to my flesh a bit much rather than pointing me to Christ. And, and so we need to make evaluations in our life in that way and say, I want to be transformed. I don't want to be conformed. I want to be transformed in the way that I, in, in the way that I look at life even. There needs to be that change in pursuit. There needs to be that change in perception. And those are outflows of a life that is presented to God. But I want to lastly share this with you today. It's not without a reason, okay? It's not without a reason. God gives us those and he changes those things for a purpose. And the purpose is so that we would know and follow the will of God. And so thirdly, this morning, I want you to see a change in purpose. When we give our life to Christ as a sacrifice, there is a change of purpose then that happens within us. Let's go back at uh, verse number two of Romans chapter 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove, it says, that word is key, underline it, circle it, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word prove means to test, to examine, to see if it's true. I love that. We are going to test and we are going to see if the will of God is acceptable, perfect, and good. That's what he's trying to get across to us here. The only way, the only way that a Christian can conceivably find and follow God's will is if our hearts and our minds and our lives are focused on him. So many times people think that we can just live uh, uh, live for the devil or live for this world and have no thoughts of Christ. And all of a sudden, God's going to be like, boom, here's my perfect will for you. It doesn't work that way. God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. He says that those that are pursuing him are the ones uh, that, that he uses. In fact, in all of scripture, he, he, he calls people that are already living righteous lives that are already serving him. And we see that all throughout scripture. And so the only way that we can find and follow him is if we would be responsible to search the things of God that we know we have that is already revealed to us. Now, when it comes to God's will, God's will is not just for pastors or missionaries. 
People misconstrue that. They think, oh, well, you know, pastor, he knows the will of God. But for us, I don't, for the rest of us, I don't know that we need, no, no, no. The will of God is for everybody. God has something for you. And, and it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I hope that you notice how the will of God is described there in, in that verse. Because here's, here's what happens in my life anyway. When I read this verse and I read about the will of God, I get stirred up and fired up about the will of God. <laughs> I really do. I really do. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute, and I just want to say, uh, I hope that you're still with me. I'm almost done. Just so you know, I'm almost done. And if you're with me, put it in the chat right now. Say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, Pastor. Just put something in there in the chat and just say, I'm there. I want to make sure you're with me because I believe that this next section of the message here is important. So if you took a bathroom break uh, and your kids are running around, let's all gather together and let's get this last thought here because I believe this is foundational to our Christian lives moving forward. And so let's get this together, okay? The will of God, when we read what the will of God is here, it should excite us and it should challenge us to pursue his will with all of our hearts. I wanna look at the descriptors here. First of all, he says that his will is good. His will is good. I'm gonna give you the definitions here on the screen. His will is good. What does that mean? It is beneficial. It is rich. It is bountiful. It is suitable. It is moral. It is a good, good thing. It also says that the will of God is acceptable. Do you see that there? It is acceptable. Uh, it is pleasing. It is satisfactory. Uh, it is welcoming. And then thirdly, I want you to notice about the will of God here, and it should be up here on the screen. Let's get the other two up here on the screen so we can see it there. Uh, the will of God is acceptable, but thirdly, it is perfect. It is without error. It is without mistake. It is flawless. It is complete. It is absolute. It is free from any need. It is short of nothing. It is completely fulfilled. Is that enough descriptors for you? <laughs> I think we got it all there. And so the will of God is good. It is acceptable. It is perfect. And if you hold that up against what the world has to offer us, there is no contest, church. God's will is supremely better than anything that this world has to offer because it is of God. It is pure. It is from him. And I don't want you to miss this, what we've got here. The word of God or his word, uh, His will, sorry, is pure. It is perfect. It is acceptable. It is good. I mean, these are all powerful, powerful descriptors. And it is something that we should desire to pursue because of that. Because of that. I mean, th think about it. God, God is not going to ask us anything that is not for our eternal good. Do you realize that? He is not going to ask anything that is not for our eternal good. Now, God's direction and his will may go against our opinions. It may go against our ambitions. It may go against our tastes or what we think we're capable of, but it is still good and it is still acceptable and it is still perfect. I was thinking about uh, Peter. Remember Peter in Acts chapter number 10, when God told him to go to uh, the Gentile Cornelius. You remember that? <laughs> and uh, he was like, what are you talking about? I can't go and be there. And then of course there was that dream with the, the sheet and all of those unclean animals, that, the whole thing. You can go back and listen to it in our Acts series. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and to Peter, it seemed crazy. It would have seemed like totally out of control. But when everything was revealed, when he did obey God and he followed God and he got to where God wanted him to be, man, that situation, just Peter going to Cornelius's house in Acts chapter number 10, radically transformed the gospel going to the Gentiles. God used it in a tremendous way. And so to Peter, it seemed out of control and not really something that he should do or didn't seem normal. But in fact, it was God working in a great way behind the scenes. I was thinking about Joseph for a moment. Think about the will of God for Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. I don't think the will of God for Joseph is a will that any of us would desire for ourselves. Think about it. I mean, he was betrayed by his own brothers, wasn't he? He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of attempted rape, and then he was forgotten in prison. 
all of these things that happened in his life, but yet through it all, God was working out something for his good. God was working out something for his people. And at the end of it all, Joseph said to his brothers, to the very ones who had betrayed him in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 19, it says, and Joseph said unto them, fear not, he said, for am I in the place of God? (laughs) He said, am I in the place of God? But as for you, He's talking to his brothers now. He says, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. Say it with me. God meant it for good. I can't hear you here at the church. Say it with me. God meant it for good. And he says, notice what he said here, to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God had a purpose in the direction that he led Joseph into. And, and, and Joseph, he recognized that the will of God was difficult for him. Notice there in the verse, he called his brother's betrayal evil, didn't he? He said, what you tried to do was an evil thing, but he also recognized God's sovereign hand throughout it all and God's ultimate purpose for his life. Listen, too many Christians today never reach the place in their Christian life where they can say, God meant it for good. Too many. And they never come to that place where they say, you know what? God meant all of this for good. And the reason they don't get to that place is because we'd never go much further than our comfort zone. We never go much further than what we are comfortable with. And I, t- I got to tell you today that the way to fully experience the life that God has given to you as a follower, a follower of Christ is to pursue his good and acceptable and perfect will through the transformation of your pursuit and through the transformation of your perception. It's at that point, Christian, that you will find real purpose. It's at that point that you will Learn to follow the will of God with confidence, knowing that his will is for your good and it is for his glory. Now, Satan, he's going to try to deceive you, isn't he? He's going to try to deceive you into believing that God makes impossible uh, demands upon us. However, I want you to know that God's will is acceptable and those that present their bodies as a living sacrifice will prove that his will is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, One Bible commentator said it this way. He said, no plan of ours can improve on the plan of God. He said, we only see bits and pieces. He sees the whole thing. We see only fragments of the past. We measure things by the narrow horizon of our present vision. But God sees past, present, and future in his total context as related to eternity. He sees when and where and why we touch the lives of others. He weighs all the actions. He controls all circumstances. And it's because God's will is perfect. I thought that was a fantastic descriptor of the perfect will of God. And so Paul here, Paul both challenges and Paul both points us in the direction of change. And he's saying that as we present our bodies to God, what happens? It takes on a whole nother level, a higher, greater dimension of living, a dimension that will not only change your life and not only give you purpose, but a dimension of living that will make a difference in the lives of those that are all around you all around you. Remember, we as Christians are saved to serve. God has a purpose for us. And as we continue in this chapter over the next few weeks, what we're going to see is that 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 renewal of service will come into each of our lives. And Paul is going to make it very clear to us as we continue this series. But for today, we recognize that when we lay our lives on the altar and we say, God, I am a willing sacrifice, what happens? Well, some things start to change in our hearts. Our pursuits change. We are not to be conformed to this world at all. And so we do not pursue that at all. We pursue the things of Christ. And that helps us, that that happens and is helped by a change in our perspective. 
which is the way that we look at the world, our minds, the way that we think. And then, of course, our purpose then can be completely changed by understanding the will of God. I hope that today you got at least the fact that God's will is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect, and it is worth pursuing because God is never going to lead you somewhere that he, that he doesn't know what's going on. It is always going to be for good. And I hope that you understand that today. Well, we're going to have a moment of uh, reflection here in just a second. And I want to uh, just encourage you with a couple of thoughts as we do that. And I want to ask you the question today, what are you pursuing in your life? Are you pursuing acceptance by the world? Are you pursuing the world's idea of success? Are you pursuing uh, the world's idea of purpose? Maybe your whole focus is simply on things of this uh, life, things that are temporary, things that, that sure, maybe are important. And I understand those things. You got to live and all of that. But if that's your entire worldview, your entire pursuit, are you only pursuing those things? Are you uh, being conformed to this world or are you as a Christian being uh, transformed in Christ? There's a bit of that permission that has to take place where you say, God, I want you to transform me. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you said, never said, Lord, would you take control of my life? Lord, would you take control of my thoughts? Would you help me? Uh, and, and you can do that by relying on his word, by filling up your heart and your mind with memorization and, and the study of the word of God. He will help you. But maybe there's elements of your life that just need to change and you know it. You've been allowing the influence in your life for far too long, and you need to repent of that today and get that right with the Lord. I would encourage you to do that. Maybe there are some elements of influence and uh, of, of, of molding that is taking place in your mind, and your heart, where you're being poured into the mold of the world in your thoughts, and you need, to, you need to break that mold. You need to get out of that, and you need to give that back to the Lord. Would you follow His will? The thing I have to ask as well, are, are you even following His will? <laughs> what a great question. Are you following His will? I think sometimes we feel like it's so mystical and so uh, unattainable. It's not. Pursue it by the renewing of your mind and you will then see what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You will prove it. You will test it. You will show it to be true. I have never met a person in my entire life who followed the will of God and said, I should have never done that. I have never, I've never met somebody who saw it through to completion. Never. Many people start to follow the will, and the will of God and they drop out. But if you see it through to completion, you'd recognize that God is doing something great. Make His will, make God's will your purpose in life. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. We really appreciate you joining in. You know, if today's sermon was a help to you, we'd ask that you maybe take a moment and just give us a quick rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. That really does help get the word out and for other people to find our content as well as connect into the Word of God, which is really the most important thing to us. As well, we encourage you to, if you want any more information about City Baptist in Vancouver, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca or follow us on social media through Facebook and Instagram. Our prayer is that you would continue to walk and grow with Christ. And we love you and we pray for you and we hope that you have a great rest of your day.